We've been looking at things in which we are to continue in. We're to continue in the things we have learned, continue in the Word, continue in the love of Christ, continue in grace, continue in faith, continue in the goodness of God. And now this morning, we're going to look at the fact that we are to continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. So let's read Colossians 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So as we think of continuing in prayer, and it's interesting this morning, uh, the message now and the message in the morning service, both are going to deal with the topic of prayer, but there's much to say about prayer, so they're not the same message, okay? But this one is focusing from the idea of continuing in prayer. The other one, since we're in a series dealing with voices, actually deals with the voice of prayer. And uh, both, I think, are unique aspects in which we need to look at our prayer life. And so, I want us to see this morning, first of all, we are to be active in prayer. Secondly, we're to be alert in prayer. And then lastly, we're to have the correct attitude in prayer. So let us ask the Lord for his guidance, please. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to examine your word and help us, Lord, to continue in prayer, to be faithful, Remembering, Lord, that you're the God who hears and answers prayer. So, Lord, help us to be faithfully praying. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, saying that about this morning's message and the, the early morning message here and the later message in the morning service or whatever we call our services, but I wish, and, and I know this is the faithful crowd that's here in the early morning, I wish all of our folks realize the importance of being here for every service. Because, honestly, these two messages are going to build on each other. And I won't have time in the morning service to cover everything we covered in the early morning service. And, uh, but it's important because, you know, as we are teaching doctrine, which, by the way, is one of the things we're to continue in, um, sometimes it takes time to lay down the entire doctrine. Some of the doctrines of the Word of God are not just simple, hey, five-minute lesson, right? And uh, anyhow, but let's talk a little bit about what is prayer. Now, you guys know I really like the Webster's 1828 Dictionary because it has real good definitions of things. And it is amazing to me that this definition Webster gives of prayer, you probably take and make a sermon outline out of it. It's that good, okay? He says, in worship, a solemn address to the supreme being. By the way, the supreme being in 1800s, everybody understood was Jehovah, okay? So it wasn't just this nebulous supreme being, but it was a name given to Almighty God, consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessings on others and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. 
A prayer, however, may consist of a single partition, and it may be extemporaneous, written, or printed. Now, is that not a good definition of prayer? I'll tell you what, God blessed him with a very good mind. Because you ever tried defining words? You know, it's, it's almost like trying to write instructions. You ever try to write instructions? Heard of some college students that their, their project was to teach the rest of the class giving instructions on how to tie your shoes. And it's hilarious to watch uh, how many steps we actually skip in trying to teach somebody else how to do something. But anyhow, that... So, he says it consists of adoration, confession, supplication, intercession, thanksgiving. Those are probably the, the, um, the elements, if you will, that should be in our prayers. As a matter of fact, I heard one preacher take and kind of alliterate that. It didn't have the I in it, but he said acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. He had four of the five in there anyhow. But when we look at, in verse 2, continue in prayer, this is not the same Greek word in which we have been looking at before. The Greek word that we've been looking at before is meno, to dwell, remain, but this one has a little bit different meaning. It's the idea to devote oneself to or steadily, steadfastly attentive to. So when it says to continue in prayer, it has the idea of devote yourself in prayer or remain steadfastly attentive to prayer. Now, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? It kind of still has the same idea of remaining there, but it's the idea of paying attention to prayer. Because, Christian, you and I need to understand that the greatest, one of the greatest things God has given us is the ability to communicate with Him personally. Therefore, we're commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. We are to be consistent in prayer, have an attitude of prayer. You know, as I go throughout my day, I can be praying to God throughout the day because praying doesn't mean I necessarily have to have my head bowed and eyes closed. Although there is time for that, if I'm driving and wanting to pray, it's probably not time to bow my head and close my eyes unless you have a self-driving car, but I still don't know as I'd do so. But do we honestly pray about everything? Now, we're going to look more at that in the later service. You know, we sing that we take everything to God in prayer, but do we honestly take everything to God in prayer? Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, or don't worry about things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Everything. You know, Brother Billy Wingard, who is now in heaven, was a great example of a man of prayer. Anytime you talk to him, he'd say, well, let's pray about that right now. And he'd just stop and, excuse me, and pray with you. I'm trying to emulate that in my life. I don't feel I'm doing a good job of it, but I'm trying more and more to realize everything we need to take to God in prayer. When somebody comes and talks to me about an issue, instead of just saying, I'll pray about that, why don't we stop and pray about that? But we also need to have then a definite time of prayer. A definite time of prayer. Now, we tend to have, most of us, 
I would like to imagine, at least pray and thank God before we partake of a meal, right? But should that be our only time of prayer? I know some who say, well, I like to say my prayers before I go to bed. Well, may I ask, why do you go throughout the whole day not talking to God? How about we start the day talking to Him? I know you say, well, I'm not a morning person. Okay, well, get up, get the coffee going, start reading your Bible, drink some coffee, and take some time to pray. Now, I understand that prayer is hard work, and I also understand what it means to many times be very tired in the morning. So when I was in college, had a family, and so I was working second shift, which was 2 in the afternoon to 11 at night. Classes started at 7 in the morning many times. And so to get up early enough to have breakfast and have time in the Word and pray was cutting into sleep. Okay, because you get home at 11 o'clock and you don't go to bed at 11 o'clock, right? And especially when you have homework. And so there were many times that I would get up in the morning and I would go in the living room and I would kneel by the sofa and then I'd wake up a half hour later. Anybody ever guilty of that one? No confession necessary, but you know what I'm talking about, right? And so I started walking around praying because I figured I... I've only fallen asleep once on my feet, and that was standing in formation once. Good thing there was a sailor behind me, caught me, and pushed me back up, okay? <laughs> I didn't realize that was actually possible until it happened that day. But Jesus would pray all night, Luke six twelve, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Anytime Jesus had a major decision, we see him praying all night. As a matter of fact, and, and I believe this is the passage where the next day he went and chose disciples. So it's, we see God himself, God incarnate, the Son of God, praying to the Father very often and many times for long periods of time. Now, what does, should that tell you and I, Christian, about our necessity of prayer? The psalmist said he would pray morning, noon, and evening. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So we need a definite time of prayer, but we also need a definite place of prayer. Matthew 6, 6 says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray in thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When we pray, we don't need to pray for the praise of men. Jesus condemned the Pharisees who would pray these wonderful prayers on the street corner, making sure everybody heard them praying, and made sure that they're, they're, they were putting on this show, but their show was for the people not truly communicating to God. Jesus said, when you pray, go to your closet. Go to a secret place. Now, there's nothing wrong with public prayer. That Jesus isn't condemning public prayer. But he's saying, don't pray for show. You ever notice when we talk to each other, 
we talk in normal English, but when people talk to God, all of a sudden they turn on the King James English. You do realize God understands modern English, right? Now, I'm not saying talk to God disrespectfully, but, you know, everybody complains about the these and the thous, but when all of a sudden they're talking to God, it has to be thee and thou, right? You do realize he knows what the word you means, right? And I'm not trying to be facetious, but I just wonder why do people feel that they have to do that? Or many times we string together a bunch of cliches that we've heard others say, and then we call it a prayer. So I want to give you a testimony, and I know you've heard about him before. Most of you, I believe, have. And it's a man named George Mueller who was truly a man of prayer. It said that never to ask any human being for help, however great the need might be, but to make his once known to God who has promised to care for his servants and to hear their prayer. This is what's said of George Mueller. Never to ask any human being for help, however great the need may be, but to make his once known to God, who has promised to care for his servants and hear their prayer. Okay? So here's what I see happen many times. We have a need, and we start sharing it with everybody else, making sure everybody knows. And we should ask for prayer, okay? But let me just explain the way we typically do it versus the way George Mueller did it, and then I'm going to show you the results, okay? Many times we say, hey, we have this need, let's pray about it. George Mueller would never tell any man about the needs he had. He would just take it directly to God, okay? So let me tell you the results now. George Mueller, who had made the decision to found and operate his many ministries, including hundreds of schools and several orphanages, eventually with thousands of children, without ever asking any other, any other than God for money, during his lifetime received and gave away, now get this number, $7,200,000 in the 1890s. That's not translated to modern money. That is 1890s money. He had $7.2 million go through his hands. That's a lot of money. And he never asked anybody for a penny. He went directly to God. Now that's faith, folks. That's the faith you and I need to have. You see, the reason why I give this, why it's not wrong to ask others to pray, here's what I believe, though, it is somewhat going through some people's minds, okay? And I'm not trying to sign motives or tell, you know, you know what people are doing or thinking, because I don't know what's in people's minds, but here's what it appears like. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you, but I need to make sure everybody knows so that they can give. Do you follow what I'm saying? Versus saying, okay, God, I'm going to tell you, and you lay it on their hearts to give. Does that make sense? Am I, are you tracking with what I'm saying? My family and I, when I was in college, I don't remember what it was, whether it was my school bill or whether it's the time the tires were bald and the cords were showing through the tires, so I had to replace them. But I remember there was a need, and I remember it was $600. And I remember saying to Susan, I don't have an extra $600 right now. And I remember taking our children, and they were the only ones who knew, and we prayed, 
and ask God to provide because I didn't know where it was going to come from. And this is no lie. Within two days in the mailbox, somebody said, thinking of you, praying for you, here's a check. And it was $600. I have seen God do it in my life. Folks, we need to understand God knows your needs. And God can and will provide. But we tend to panic and go turn to people instead of turning to Him. Now, I'm using money as an illustration, but truthfully, think of our lives. How often do we do that? Instead of turning to God first in prayer, we go to other people for advice or go to other people for counsel or go to other people in the situation. We go to other people for comfort instead of turning to God first. Why is our prayer so often seen to be a last resort instead of the first effort? And I see this frequently in many of our lives, and I'm going to include myself because, yes, I've been guilty way too many times of the exact same thing that I'm preaching about. Be active in prayer. I'm telling you, you, you read the biographies of George Mueller, and you just see time after time after time how God would provide. I remember reading one about how he had the boys sitting there at the breakfast table there was no, nothing to feed him, and he thanks God for the food, and then there's a knock at the door, and the milk cart broke down right outside, and he had to get rid of the milk before it spoiled, and said, could you use this? You think that was chance? Nope. So secondly, let's be alert in prayer. Let's go back to verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same. Watch to take heed, lest through remission and Indolence, some, destruction, some destructive calamity should overtake one. Watching. Standing a watch takes effort and alertness. Now, we call them watches in the Navy. Usually a four-hour watch, right? But depending on what the watch is, you're responsible for whatever. Now, I stood, and in the military, we have many different watches, right? The first one you ever probably stood was a fire and security watch, right? Everybody stood that one, I'm sure. And so while everybody else is fast asleep, you're sitting there making sure everybody's still asleep and nothing's burning down. Although I am told on board a ship one day that a sailor had a watch and he calls up to the officer at the deck and says that uh, all's secure. And the officer's like, well, that's pretty interesting since uh, there's been a crew fighting a fire for the last 20 minutes on your deck. Yeah. He wasn't actually roving like he was supposed to. He just stood there at his post and never roved the deck like he's supposed to. I stood medical watches. That was usually 24 hours sitting in a clinic waiting for somebody to hurt themselves so we could go pick them up and throw them in the meat wagon. But you understand the different types of watches. But when you're standing a watch, especially in the middle of the night, looking out in the middle of nothingness, it can get pretty boring, doesn't it? Anybody ever get tired on a watch? So while I was in field med school, we were standing in the ditch and <clears throat> looking out across the way where the instructors were and their nice little fire going and they're nice and warm over there. And I was exhausted because you know how it is. They keep you up all night and all day and keep you running and everything else. Well, my eyes got really heavy till all of a sudden there was sand being kicked in my face. It's about time you wake up, Cor. I'm like, oops. I was not alert at that point. 
so the punishment was everybody had to get up and sit up all night because we were in three sections and then they made everybody get up and sit with us. So that was, that was the way, you know, because that's some military intelligence on how to t- handle things, right? Anyhow, there's an alertness that goes with being the watch. Especially thinking on a naval vessel, when you're out at sea, you're looking out at literally nothing but water. Unless there's something there, you're supposed to be able to see it, right? And to report it. Um, I felt many watches were about that worthless, but it's important because if there were another vessel approaching, especially if it's a wartime, you might want to know if that's a friendly or not, right? You can see them as far away as you can. Now think before we had all radars and everything else, okay? A watch on board a ship was pretty important, was it not? Several watches, actually, because you had to watch all directions. So then, just as that took effort and alertness, so does prayer. You ever notice how your mind could have, you have nothing on your mind? Well, there's really never anything. There's never actually a time when there's nothing on your mind, but you know what I'm saying. But then you decide, you know what, I'm going to spend some time praying, and then all of a sudden your mind is flooded with everything you never wanted to think about. Why do you think we're so easily distracted in prayer? Why do you think it's when you go to pray that the phone rings or, you know, whatever happens? Why is it that all those things happen when we go to prayer? I'll tell you, part of it is this. There is power in prayer. And if Satan can break the communication lines between us and the Father, he'll do anything he can because he does not want you empowered, Christian, serving God. And so it takes work. This is part of the reason, not just so it's not for show, but also to remove the distractions. Why I believe Jesus said, go to a closet. Because if you go to a closet, what's going to distract you in your closet? Well, I don't know. I haven't been in your closet, but I hope nothing's going to distract you in your closet, right? Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. If you really want a good time to pray and you are an early riser, get up before everybody else does, and it's nice and quiet. Get up before the phone starts ringing. Get up before the day starts. You know, I often joke. And I don't really mind this, so please don't take this as a complaint. But many times I have my plan of the day and then actually what happens during the day, right? You know, I have my plans of this is what I'd like to accomplish today. Then 9 o'clock the phone rings. Hey, pastor, by the way, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now my plans just changed, you know? So guess what? I got to get up earlier to have time alone with God to be able to pray and study his word. Many times in Scripture, praying and fasting are coupled together. We've talked about this many times. Matthew 17, 21, How be this kind not, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Acts 14, 23, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them, commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. In our prayer, there should be intercessory prayer. 1 Timothy 2, 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayer, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking our needs to God. But are we interceding for others? Are we praying about the needs of others? Let me tell you something. Everyone in this room is carrying 
a burden. Everyone in this room has something that they're going through, and I'm not sitting here going to reveal, so don't worry about it, okay? Although I know many of them because you shared it with me. You may not even know what others are going through, but you can still be praying for them, that God would give them encouragement, God would give them strength, God would give them the, the boldness to be able to share the gospel with others. You know, we, could pray, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we do know what specifically they're going through, should we not take that specific need to God? We come encounter with many lost folks. Are we praying for their salvation? You know, God wants to see him saved more than you do. Are we praying? And I think this is a proper prayer. Lord, give me the boldness to share with them the gospel. And if they won't hear me, send somebody else to whom they will hear. But Lord, put conviction on them to where they cannot rest, they cannot have peace, until they come to Jesus Christ, you say, well, that seems mean. I tell you what, I would rather them have no peace and struggling and to be miserable here on earth and finally turn to Christ than to be miserable for all eternity, wouldn't you? So I think that's a proper prayer. When we see one who is wayward, who we know knows Christ, but they have chosen to go backslide and go back to the ways of the world, again, would it not be a proper prayer that God brings conviction on them to where they turn back to God? Now, while we don't want to see a loved one chastened, wouldn't it be better for them to be chastened of God and turn back to God than to continue on a path of destruction? So our intercessory prayer is not always flowery and make everybody feel good prayers. Sometimes, and I believe rightfully so, we're asking God to make others miserable now, temporarily, so that they can have true joy in Christ again. Let's talk another type of prayer. Go with me to Matthew 15. And here's one, I think, in which we tend to fail a little too often. And maybe all of us need to remember, it's not a one and done sometimes. You know, we live in a shake-and-bake society of I want everything yesterday, if not sooner, and we expect immediate results on everything. But let's look at Matthew 15, 22 through 28. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out in the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And, afterward, and he answered and said, I am not sent, but in the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be in thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from the very hour. We also see another time in Scripture where the unjust judge didn't want to hear the widow's um, dispute, but she kept coming back over and over and over. And, and the judge finally says, not because I care about her situation, but because of her importunity, her constant coming to me, 
I will answer her. And we see a great illustration of that right here. As this woman comes to Jesus, Jesus says, what do I have to do with you? I'm sent to Israel. And she comes and still worships him, knowing that Jesus Christ is the one that has the answers. She still pleads to him. She still prays to him. And he says, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. You're a Gentile. It's not good for me to give this to you. And, and this is amazing to me. Her faith was so strong. She believed in Christ so much that she still continues in prayer. She's not discouraged. She's not taking no for an answer. And she says, true, Lord, but the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. I don't need the bread. I just need the crumbs. That's some true faith, isn't it? You know, I think too often we pray once for a situation, well, God didn't answer it, I'm moving on. God sometimes wants us to come back, and to come back, and to come back, and to come back, and it's not that God is trying to withhold an answer. But remember, prayer, we're not giving God any new information anyhow. We're showing our dependence on God. But if God would answer everything the first time we ask, how much are we truly going to depend on him? Sometimes there needs to be the importunate prayer, the constant prayer, bringing it back to God again, saying, God, I know you care about this matter. You know, when I pray for a lost individual, God, I know you want to see them saved because your word tells me so. I know you care for their soul more than I do. So Lord, I'm praying for them. And it may be the thousandth time that I've prayed for them. But you know what? I want to show that I'm earnest in this. And I want to keep on asking and keep on asking. Number three, have a correct attitude in prayer. Let's go back to our passage in Colossians. Continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. Give thanks in prayer. Again, Philippians 4, 6, which we already read, be careful for nothing but but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. First, uh, first Timothy 2.1, I exhort, therefore, the first of all supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Christian, we need to be characterized by an attitude of gratitude. Do we thank God for answered prayers? When God answers a prayer, do we stop then and say, thank you, Lord? How many came to Jesus? How many lepers came to Jesus for healing? How many turned back and said, thank you? How many were healed? Are we one of the nine? Do we forget to turn back and say, thank you? When we pray, do we thank him for the privilege that we have to be able to come to the God of this universe and to talk to him one-on-one? -on -one? Do we thank him for his provision? Even when the pantry is empty and it's just beans and rice, do we still stop and thank him for it? By the way, folks, grocery prices heading the way they are, that's going to become more and more reality. But is God still not going to provide? Hope you like beans and rice. Thank him for everything. Thank him for everything. That means when you have a bad day, you can thank him for that. You know why? Makes you appreciate the good days. So instead of complaining, it's too hot today, we can thank the Lord it's too hot today because it reminds me to thank him for the nice, cooler days. It's raining today. Well, I can thank him for the rain because the earth needs the water. But I can also thank him because that means the sunny days are ahead, right? 
I can thank Him for the trials that come in life because He has promised that there's not a trial that He allows in my life that's not for the purpose of drawing me closer to Him. I can thank Him in all things because an ungrateful heart leads to sinful actions. When I think I deserve better, I'm on a slippery slope. God is not to be treated as a genie in the bottle. And way too often, I have seen some, and by the way, I believe the prosperity gospel teaches basically that. God is your genie in the bottle. His ultimate goal is your happiness. And he wants you to be rich, and he wants you to have things, and he wants you to be happy. So you just rub the little bottle, and God's going to pop out and give it to you. That is how they, now, maybe not in those words, but that is really what that theology teaches, is it not? That is not the God we serve. Because God knows what is best as I pray. Do you know what sometimes the best answer for me is? No, or not now. Sometimes that's the absolute best answer. But I need to learn that he always knows what is right. And when that is the answer, then I can thank him for the no answers. But he deserves our worship, our praise, and our thanksgiving. So, one more thing in which we are to continue. Continue in prayer. Be active in prayer. Be alert in prayer. And have the correct attitude as we pray.